Welcome back to the All Personal Podcast, where we turn the good old saying, nothing personal, just business, upside down, and prove how, in fact, it's all personal. Nothing is just business. Because it's all either intrapersonal, how we manage ourselves, or interpersonal, how we manage our relationships with others, both at home and at work. It's all about our personal skills muscles. In this episode, I talk to Jason Cutter, CEO of Cutter Consulting Group, and we talk about selling with empathy. Jason sees himself as a sales success architect. Anything from training to scripting to sales tech, he helps small businesses create scalable inside sales teams. His newest program is called Authentic Persuasion, with the goal of helping salespeople go from order taker to quota breaker. Now, selling and empathy. These are two words that we don't hear next to each other too often. Jason's approach to sales is so human-centered and so much needed from the perspective of building a future we're proud of. Here are some snippets of our conversation. When we listen, we need to hear what people say and also what they do not say. Sales and relationships, they're the same because we need to be able to listen and show empathy. I loved Jason's take on selling with empathy. So, are you ready? Here we go. Jason, welcome to the All Personal Podcast. Thanks, Roxana. It's so good to have you here. And I really wanted to have this conversation because I know you're passionate about sales and you help so many people um, with that process and you have your own podcast show. So we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, no. Uh, and you know, cause we've talked before and, uh, I think it's great the work that you're doing as well and, and making everything personal. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of that and, and preach that as well and live by that. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really excited for us to chat. Yeah. So let's start with, your how did you get to do what you're doing now was sales your passion all along <laughs> or how did you discover that i i laugh because uh it was anything but my passion all <laughs> along you know there's some people who will claim you know that they knew they wanted to be a salesperson early on um the kind of person that has the lemonade stand and they're going door to door and they're selling stuff and mm-hmm. the, you know the kind of if anyone's familiar the gary v story and what he was doing as a kid and knew that sales was his thing um i it's funny enough i i had some uh, opportunities when i was a kid when i was doing sales related stuff but i don't come from a sales household like my mom before she retired was in banking and finance and my dad before he retired was a research engineer and project manager and worked his way up um, mm-hmm. but on the engineering side and so I come from anything but sales and uh, I laugh because you know I even went to college and my bachelor's degree is in marine biology focusing on sharks so like I was anything but sales for <laughs> yeah. a very long time mm-hmm. and then um you know, life kind of took me on a windy path where then I ended up in the mortgage business as a a recommendation from a family friend because I needed a job at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was my first air quotes, uh, you know, quote unquote sales job that I had. Uh, No training, no idea what I was doing. They didn't sit me down and teach me how to sell. Uh, I just kind of learned it from that point forward. And, uh, you know, a, a long process of, of discovery and learning and absorbing and testing and trying. Yeah. That, uh, that started uh, about 18 years ago. Wow. So it's like, to me, it's such an interesting story because you have all of this. So the, the, the background is different, 
I mean, okay, maybe the, the banking and finance would have something to do with numbers, but not with sales. No, definitely not. <laughs> right? No, and, and, and what was funny too is that, you know, one of the things is like going with my parents as a kid and as a teenager to buy a car, right? So when they started having money and they went to a dealership and buying a car, like my mom was terrible to salespeople. Like she's so analytical. <laughs> she just beat them up like crazy. So it wasn't even like, you know, I was in a family where it was like, okay, we deal with salespeople and you know, it's kind of a good experience. No, no, no. It was, it was a, uh, you know, <laughs> she was a tough cookie for sure. Uh-huh. So, yeah. but I guess you learned something from that, didn't you? You, you know, I, I don't know what I learned specific. I mean, I think I just kind of saw all of it. You mm -hmm. know, I think one of the things that kind of helped me when I started in sales is that I just naturally like solving puzzles and solving problems. And there's an mm -hmm. underly underlying part of me that I just ignored and put aside for the longest time. But I genuinely like to help people and I want to get people into a better position. And so I had all of my success in sales when I mm -hmm. combined those attributes that I have, those kind of underlying strengths, and then apply that to selling something that's going to help somebody. So, but I wanted to ask, because I'm, I'm really curious, because you mentioned marine biology and sharks, and then you got into the mortgages <laughs> job, and now you're doing sales. <laughs> like, how, how, did you, how did you decide to study marine biology? And then I understand you took the jobs that you yeah, needed, yeah. but then how, what, what happened? How, how did you decide that? Well, I, uh, in high school, I, you know, took a class, an awesome teacher that I had, a biology teacher. There was a segment of the general biology class that was on marine biology. And then I just fell in love with sharks and everything sharks and was just super excited. And then uh, graduated high school, went to community college, and then was like, okay, that's what I want to do. And uh, then I went to UC Santa Cruz, great marine biology school. And I literally spent the time working with a volunteer organization, tagging sharks, mm -hmm. catching everything from, you know, two, three foot sharks to great white sharks and, uh, you know, doing all that. And mm -hmm. I graduated at a time when uh, it was very popular. Everyone wanted to be in marine biology. Everyone wanted to play with, uh, you know, dolphins at SeaWorld. Mm -hmm. And I literally couldn't get a job uh, for $8 an hour scrubbing boats with fish and game. Like they gave it to a master's student. So you basically have to have a master's degree to scrub boats at that time in wow. the late 90s. And, uh, you know, and I was willing to live in my car, but I just couldn't get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Life took me a different way. And I ended up in Seattle. And I worked for Microsoft for a couple of years doing tech support. That ended. And then uh, I fell into sales. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And you mentioned that you were, you were volunteering. And then somehow I was connecting that to what you said before that um, you, liked to, to, you liked to solve puzzles and problems and to help people. So I guess you're now in the business of helping people, not sharks. Yep helping people differently. I mean, helping people in a way that is what I mean by differently, different, a different perspective on sales. Cause you, you, you have this personal perspective cause it's to you again, as you said before, business is also personal. So let's, let's go a little bit where it all started with, with your career in sales and how it was at the beginning and what made the switch to, hey, this is also personal. Yes. So I started doing mortgages in um, 2002. It was in, in the US. Things were going crazy. It was super easy uh, to be effective in sales because everyone or in mortgage because everyone wanted to buy a house or refinance. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't take a lot of skill to be, you know, profitable in the mortgage business because it was the hot thing at the time, uh, especially where I lived. And so it, it didn't take much. And what I realized is, you know, you could, you know, close business without having a lot of skills. Um, but I absorbed some stuff and I'll tell you because I didn't have much training. I also fell down a bunch in the first six months. I made a lot of rookie mistakes. One being that in my analytical way, and this comes from both of my parents and my mm -hmm. analytical process, I would talk to somebody about, you know, what they wanted. They wanted to buy a house. And then I would go 
back to my desk and then I would look at all the options because there was a ton of options for mortgages, whether they wanted this kind or this kind or this kind. And I would come back to them like in the next meeting, you know, this potential homeowner, and I would just lay out this spreadsheet with like eight different options. Um, and I didn't realize it at the time, but what I was doing was giving somebody way too many options yeah. such that people were saying no and they had to think about it because I was overwhelming them instead of giving them fewer ones. So I made a shift there after about six months where I realized my role in sales is really to be more of a, a consultant, right? Like mm -hmm. now I'm a consultant for companies, but even in a sales role, your job is to be a consultant, almost like a doctor, yeah. which is ask questions, figure out what they need, figure out how you can help them and then present them with the one or two solutions that have been customized for their situation. Again, whether it's business to business or business to consumer, and then just be like, here it is, which one do you want a or B because I've already done the work of, of narrowing yeah. it down. Once I made that shift in sales in mortgage and everything ever since then uh, it's just amazing because now I'm the authority and taking that role on as a salesperson, who's the authority, who's, the consultative approach, who's like the doctor prescribing the solution. It's like, okay, based mm -hmm. on what you said, we need to get you into surgery. Okay. When, you know, let's go right now. And uh, that was a huge shift for, you know, helping people. And again, the goal is to get them to a better situation by, you know, taking that approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I liked how you put it, get them to a better situation. Yeah, because sometimes it's, you know, they, they're, they're in pain and they need help yeah. or they have a goal and they just want to be in a better place. It's not always negative. Like, you know, a lot of times in sales and sales training, it's focused on, okay, find somebody and find their pain and then solve their pain. Sometimes it's, it's a positive thing. Like when somebody buys a car, they're not in pain necessarily, yeah. um, but they just want something better or they want to feel good or they want to be happy or they want to get mm -hmm. something that they want. Um, and so, you know, you've got to be able to do both. So, um, because you also mentioned, and you've made some good points here about, you know, asking questions, seeing how you can help them, and then actually narrowing it down and giving them just one or two solutions, not eight. Yeah. What would you say were some of the top skills that helped you do that? I mean, asking questions is one thing, yeah. but were you always good at asking questions or... What were you, what do you feel you were good at from the beginning and that helped you? So what's interesting is I think I'm naturally curious and in talking to a lot of people, especially on my podcast and, and guests uh, that I've talked to um, and other leaders and everything I've seen from top salespeople is that to be effective in sales, almost the number one trait that everyone agrees on is curiosity. Mm -hmm. you, you having a natural curiosity where you want to know everything you can about that prospective customer, that other person sitting across from you or that person you're talking to, you know, at a coffee shop where it's not about you and you telling your story, but it's about you uncovering that mm -hmm. other person, like not, and not just in a, how do I sell them? But just like, learning more. And I think I, I had that natural curiosity. I mean, that's, you know, you have to be curious if you're going to go into sciences, like I did with the marine mm -hmm. biology, because it's like, okay, here's this thing. How do I learn more about it? How do I solve this? How do I, you know, come up with something new? And so I had that curiosity. The interesting thing for me is that I felt for the longest time, I didn't actually like people and I didn't really care about people. <laughs> uh, people annoyed me. And that was kind of like what I had thought for the longest time. And then I realized like that was just something I was telling myself. But mm -hmm. in, in reality, like I do care about people and that curiosity is the key. Um, so when you apply the curiosity, then you do the questions. Everybody in sales or anyone's thinking about sales knows that you've got to ask questions. It's a question of actually doing it. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the other part that has made me very effective that I'm always pushing for other people to do as well is to actually listen. A lot mm -hmm. of times in the world, not just in sales, but in life, people ask questions. And while the other person is answering the question, the, yeah. the first person is thinking about what they're going to say next, what they're going to do. Oh, that reminds me of a story. So now I'm going to jump in with my story that I have about the time that I did the thing, right? Because almost not always in a one-upmanship thing, but just like not actually listening to yeah. be really effective in sales and relationships. I, I think it's all the same, right? This is where, you know, it, it's, it fits with your, it's, you know, it's all personal. Right? Yeah, exactly. But in life, like, everything you, every interaction and, and conversation you have, if you're asking questions, 
actually listening, active listening, and then taking that information and then doing something with that and responding appropriately. Um, I think that's, that's the number one thing that I have done that's made me so effective is I can hear what people say and not say how they say things, pick up on the little things, and then, you know, respond and keep moving Mm -hmm. them towards a better place. Yeah, I'm so happy that you've mentioned that because um, in I I do this kind of training sessions and I do listening and when when it comes to listening everybody thinks they listen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so, I'm, a, I'm a good listener. Yeah, and it's just like you said. You it, and I think there's a Stephen Covey quote just to demonstrate, by the way, what you were saying while you were saying it. I remember this quote. Because the mind does that, yeah. right? It's I doing think. it. It's trying to link everything together <laughs> exactly. with something it knows. Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, he said that, you know, we don't listen with the intent to understand. We listen with the intent to reply. Yeah. And that's actually a, um, a pretty good definition of not listening. And yeah. listening, as you said, it's active. And you ask the question. So it's not just like you sit down, don't say anything, and nod your head, and then that's it. It means you're listening. Because in the meantime, you're thinking about a million different other things. But ask the question and then see what the other person says. See what yeah. they're giving you. And as you said, pick up on that. Use it. Yeah. And I, and I think that's huge. And when you do that, in my experience with myself and with others, then you can really hear things. Like I said Mm -hmm. a minute ago, you can hear what's being said, also what's not being said. And if you're in a sales environment or even like, again, this is where it's funny because it's all the same when you're in relationship or you're talking to somebody, especially if you're in a relationship with that person, there's Mm -hmm. also the things they're not saying right and that's you know sometimes more important Um, but in sales it's it's about actually listening and what i see a lot especially with salespeople, especially when they're new they're too busy thinking about what they have to do next and say Mm -hmm. next and what comes next that they literally ask questions and then they're not listening and they're just basically checking boxes okay my boss said that i need to ask questions okay cool i asked the questions okay now let me go back to talking about myself and my company and how Mm -hmm. amazing i am yeah and actually um because you mentioned yeah sometimes they they don't say and it's important to notice that they're not saying something or ask is there anything else that I need to know (laughs) or you know because sometimes people just don't think about the stuff that they they didn't say or they just think that you already know stuff (laughs) about them we assume so much in a conversation yeah so yeah i mean i think questions are can be so powerful and um especially for listening they they do help as long as we then listen to the answer (laughs) yeah and it's it's interesting you're talking about not uh, you know what they're not saying sometimes they don't know what they need to ask let's say like a potential customer or, or they're afraid to ask and then what I see on the flip side of that is salespeople who are generally afraid to probe and pull something out because they've mm-hmm. been taught, like, don't, you don't want to bring up issues. You just want to move as fast as you can through the process. Whereas I take a different approach because I'm more of a long-term relational, no matter what I'm selling, like even if it's a one call enrollment and moving on, you may never talk to that person again. Still, I want that person to get what they need from the company and for the company to have a good customer, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Uh, I want to know those things. I want to know those hidden things, those things they don't want to say, or they're afraid of saying, or that they're worried about, because if they don't say it now, they're going to wake up at two in the morning tomorrow and they're going to, it's going to hit them and they're going to be concerned. And then they're going to call the next day and either cancel or complain or question or something like that. I take a different approach where I, I know what my intention is and my intention is good. And I want all the cards on the table right now so we can deal with them. So that person walks away a hundred percent happy. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know what we avoid asking (laughs) or talking about somehow it comes back. Yeah. Always. (laughs) And, and in the meantime, it just grows. <laughs> so, yeah. okay. So you mentioned you were naturally curious and then the, the listening skills that you had 
and the fact that, hey, you thought you didn't like people and you decided <laughs> yep. that you were wrong. Um, but I wanted to ask a little bit about that. How, how was that switch made uh, between, hey, I, I don't think I like people too much and I actually like people and I want to help them? You know, I, I realized it, I don't know, many years into my sales management career where, you know, I, I would make little comments like that. Well, you know, I don't really like people. Uh, I don't really like talking to people. And, you know, employees or trainees or anyone around me would be like, uh, that is not correct. Like, you obviously like it and you're, you're good at it. Um, and it was mostly just a story I was telling myself, right? Mm -hmm. and, and really what it came down to was I've always been challenged with people who maybe have a problem and then aren't willing to do something about it, mm -hmm. or people who just aren't nice. Uh, it's, you know, but when I was in college and right after college, I was working in a restaurant and I was like, I would never want to work in a restaurant because the last thing I want to do is deal with hungry people, right? Because <laughs> then they get, they're hangry yeah. and they're rude and you've got to wait on them. And, and then I ended up doing it, but I'm like, okay, I'll be a busser. And then after a year, I got promoted to a server. I'm like, okay, I'll do it, but I don't think I'm going to like it. And it actually went really well, but it was just the story I had in my mind, which we all mm -hmm. do, you know, about something like so okay I, I don't like this or I don't want to do that and it was just something I said and then you know years and years later I realized like wait a second I actually I like people who I can help I like and I, obviously this mm -hmm. is the easy part but I really like people who know they have an issue they want to get help they don't know how to do it and they're looking for guidance right like yeah. somebody instead of trying to convince somebody they have a problem and tell them they have a problem I like people who are you know they, they don't know which way to go but they know they need help um, mm -hmm. And then I've just expend, extended that and, and over time even just, you know, like people or curious or, you know, and really the big shift inside of me was being more empathetic to everybody that I interact with, mm -hmm. keeping in mind that everybody is always going through something in yeah. their life. And I will, I will mostly bet that every single person you meet or talk to is going through something or they just got through something, or they don't know it yet, but something's coming for them again. Mm -hmm. uh, like something in life, you know, uh, life in quotes. And, um, you know, and I also know because I've been there myself many times, is that I also bet that a good percentage of the people you interact with, they're going through something yeah. that they hope nobody finds out about because it's either so devastating or embarrassing. They literally don't want anyone to know about it, so they're trying to hide it. Mm -hmm. And so I take that to the extreme where, you know, getting cut off on the freeway because somebody's driving crazy or at the store, right? Like I now think about like, who knows what's going on in that person's life? Because I've actually been there where I'm the guy cutting people off on the freeway yeah. because I'm on my way rushing to the hospital because something bad just happened. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you never know what's happening in people's lives. So once you do that for myself, sales and in life, it's like, then it's so much easier, right? You just don't take everything. Like it's all about you. Um, yeah. You just have no idea. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's not personal to you. It's personal to them. Yeah. It's, it's personal about what to they're each going of through. us. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. <laughs> so yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. And I think there, you, you kind of changed uh, the story you were telling yourself yeah. by doing that. That's the interesting part because it was a lot of practice that like you said you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, work in a restaurant and then no. you did, yep. <laughs> right? So we took it. You had to actually do it and go through it, so you can actually you can change the story that you were telling yourself. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things that I recommend to people and that I've noticed and the successful people that I've, you know, tracked or, or learned about or, you know, either uh, big names that you read about or people in my own life is that you just never stop wanting to learn or grow. And then also being careful not to be attached to one point of view forever and being like, this is the way it is. This is what I believe in. And I'm never going to change my mind. Right. Like if I did that with like, I don't like people and I don't want to deal with people, yeah. then I wouldn't, I, I would have had a really painful time in the path that I've been on in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and even pointing out like, okay, that was my decision. Like, uh, even at my age right now where I'm at, it's like, you know, what things do I believe in and what I might be wrong about, right? In, yeah. in the world. Yeah. And it's, again, all about taking yourself outside your own comfort zone, but uh, with a 
purpose. So you, you, you did it because you had to, you needed the job, but then you actually saw how that was helping you. Yeah. And that's um, what I also like to, to talk about is just don't, you know, throw yourself out there to be uncomfortable pointlessly. Yeah. Find something and, and focus on that and then understand how that is helping you. Like it helps you with your, with your people skills and with what you do today. Yeah. Okay. We focused on what skills you already had that, that helped you. And then um, this uh, mindset switch that you made for yourself. And then I wanted to ask what was it that was missing? What skill do you think was missing at the beginning? And then you improved it apart from the, the people skills that we just talked about and your, your own story. What you know, else? for, for me, if we're talking about, are we talking about sales specifically? Like when I was in that journey? Mm, not necessarily. Um, you know, I, I think it's the combination, what I found the most success mm -hmm. with is the combination of the questions, the listening, the empathy for the other person. Mm -hmm. And then in a sales role or when the situation is right, and I'll, I'll explain what that means here in a moment, mm -hmm. but when, when the situation is right or it's appropriate, is being assertive and kind of taking control, which is not normally my default. Some people really love being in control or have to be in control. I don't. Um, it's partly just because, you know, no need to. Uh, it's not something I have to do. Yeah. Um, but in situations where, like, let's say in a sales role, again, using the doctor analogy, one of the things I've really embraced and was a big switch for my success in sales and management and even now in consulting is to ask questions figure out the problems, figure out how I can help and then, you know, diagnose and then prescribe and, and move forward no matter what. Right. Mm -hmm. So for example, you go to the doctor, let's say your leg is broken. That's obvious. The doctor says your leg is broken. We're going to have to fix it and then put it in a cast. Um, need you to lay still while we do this. Right. Yeah. They don't say, would you like us to fix this? Would you <laughs> like us to take care of your leg? Like they just yeah. do it. Like you being there and them diagnosing it means that there's some inherent permission that has been given. And the assumption is now the doctor is going yeah. to take care of you. If you go into the doctor and your side hurts, the doctor is going to do some tests. They're going to ask some questions. They're going to see what it is. They might say, okay, here's what the issue is. And here's your prescription. Go take this to the pharmacy, take this medicine, you know, and call us in a week. Do you have any questions? Okay, goodbye. They don't say, yeah. would you like to take this? Would you like to feel better? And so I embrace that a lot on the sales and the consulting side, which is when I find somebody who needs what I can help with, then I'm just going to assume that I'm going to do it. Because if I let people think, they're usually going to put their head back in the sand and then their life will not get better, right? They, yeah. in, in five years, in one year, in one month, it won't be in a better place. They'll be doing the same thing and they'll be stuck or they'll be in more pain, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, I just like, okay. Uh, I'm going to take you with me and we're on this journey. Uh, and if you want to stop me, you can, but otherwise I'm going to assume that, um, you know, I'm going to help you get to uh, where you want to go. Yeah. And so, you know, and that, that's, I, that was a huge shift for me because a lot of people in sales uh, just ask for permission, right? Mm -hmm. Like the term I've been using a lot recently and, and everything is order takers. A lot of people are like, well, here's what I have. Is this something you want? You just let me know versus like, wait, I'm the professional. I yeah. do this all day. I know I can help you. So let's go. Yeah. I know I can help you. And here's how. Yeah, here's I think, how. I mean, and as you mentioned, um, you know, taking control, I think it's also, okay, maybe not taking control, taking the lead. Cause and, and taking I the lead. I think that's the kind of relationship that is that starts from the beginning, right? It's when you go to the specialist, you go and there's this expectation that okay, I'm gonna tell them this, what what's been going on in my life and on on this issue. Like you go to the doctor, you go to the lawyer, you go to the car sales guy, 
And there's this expectation that, hey, I go there and I tell them this. And then they will recommend something because yep. they know, because they work there. <laughs> well, that's why you're going that. to them. If, exactly. If you, if you knew all the answers, you wouldn't need them, right? Yeah. And I would expect them to, at some point, take the lead. I mean, and it's this game of, I have the... Um, I, I have control. I have it when I go there as a client, but then I, uh, I stop having it because they take the lead. Mm-hmm. And it's this, it's like passing the ball from one to the, to, to another. It's a yeah. game. It's, um, it's a whole dynamic. Yeah. And the biggest caveat, and this is what I tell everyone that I, I work with or train is it's a powerful way to go. Again, using the doctor or the lawyer, you know, mm-hmm. anal- uh, analogy is that that's kind of the expectation. You're going to do it um, because there is also some level of trust that comes with those yeah. professions because you know they've been certified. They, they go through a process. Mm-hmm. If the doctor tells you to do something, most likely their intentions are good. Their goal is to help you. Mm-hmm. And so you can trust them. The challenges in sales, let's say the car sales, one of the things that has a very bad reputation because a lot of people in sales are manipulating their customers for their own yeah. gain because mm-hmm. they have a financial reward. Um, I look at it like the key is, is that your intentions, like I said earlier, is to help that other person. And there's no reason you shouldn't get rewarded. And there's no reason you can't can take control of the process um, because you are the professional. Yeah. And it's a function of using persuasion, not manipulation. Mm. It's a very important distinction, isn't it? Yeah. Between manipulation and persuasion. And I think the, um, the advantage when you apply your approach is that the, the client will then be happy yeah. Uh, and they will probably most likely recommend other people to call you rather than somebody that they know was manipulating them. Because, you know, you feel when you've been manipulated, you <laughs> yeah. feel the minute you're out of there, yeah. you feel there's something wrong. You can't name it, but you feel it. And you feel bad uh, yeah. about what you bought or paid for. And I know that as a customer, there's been times I've, you know, like you go on vacation and you, you know, you're in a little store or something and the slick person's like talking to you into things. And the next thing you know, you're buying because you're excited or they're getting you, you know, excited about something. And then you walk away and you're just like, man, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or should I have bought this? Or right. Did I really need it? Did I really need it? Uh-huh. Yep. But yeah. you just go along with it because it sounds good and it sounds exciting. It sounds like it'll, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be something you want, but, you know, is it? So I was wondering, because you mentioned empathy, um, and that's, um, that's a word that we don't hear too much in a sales context. No, definitely not. So how, how does that help you in in sales? Well, I think, you know, when you focus on empathy, you know, and, and empathy in, in the terms that I think of it, and sometimes people go back and forth between sympathy and empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but empathy for me is looking, you know, the person you're talking to and interacting with, understanding their situation, understanding what they're going through, not in a like, I have been in your shoes as well, but yeah. enough to know, like, I get it. I understand your situation and I want things to be better in your life, right? And I think we've all had that situation where you're talking to a friend or a family member and they're complaining about something in their life. Maybe it's a relationship thing or maybe it's a health thing and you're just like, you can, you hear them, you, you know, so you feel bad for them, but you just kind of can feel some of their pain. You want things to be better for them. And, you know, if the opportunity is there, then you want to help them like, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to break up with that person or you need to ask these questions or, you know, whatever it is or eat healthier or, you know, do something. It's like you want them in a better place. And so in sales, it's the same thing. And I use that a lot as one of the pillars of the sales process that I have followed and built for a long time and what I help other people with, which is that empathy step is so important because they have to know that you care. Because once they, you know, like people say, like, 
people, people, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that's so true in sales. Mm -hmm. Like I could go into a sales interaction with all the information, all the data, spit out lots of stuff, have some really slick closing lines, um, but they won't think I care about them. They'll think I'm just selling. And is it benefiting me or is it benefiting them? Uh, I can do both, which is I can have all the information, but I early on, I want somebody to know that I care. Like I want them to be better. Um, you know, and I come from a place of abundance, which is there's 7 billion people on the planet, right? So whatever yeah. I'm selling or whatever I'm dealing with, I don't need to twist somebody's arm to be mm -hmm. successful myself. Um, but I want to help that person. And so empathy, in, in my opinion, is huge, necessary, and very much missing in sales and a lot in life where people just, they just don't care what other people are going through. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to ask if that has anything to do with you starting um, the Sales Experience podcast, because I wanted to talk about that as well. But I was wondering if, if you started the podcast to also start educating people about what sales should be. Yeah, well, that's, uh, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, that's really what the main focus of that podcast is. And, and it's funny because when I started it, it was literally because I just had this thing, this message burning inside of me that I wanted to get out. If you listen to my show, especially if you listen to the first season, because I've done a couple of seasons, um, I, it's not, there's not a sales pitch. It's not about consulting. It's not about hiring me. I'm not trying to sell books or tapes or CDs or anything like, and not that that's anything wrong with that. Um, yeah. You know, podcasts are a great vehicle for getting clients and, mm -hmm. you know, I've gotten some out of it, but you, you listened literally to the first season. It's just because I want to share. And my goal really with that is to help people um, create a great sales experience. And that doesn't mean like a flashy sales experience for customers. Um, but how do you create it for the customers? How do you create it for the salesperson? How do you create it for the, the company? And the, you know, the sales experience that's doing things the right way, where again, mm -hmm. somebody's not walking away from whatever you just sold them thinking, oops, I shouldn't have done that. How can yeah. I return it and get my money back? And then also as a salesperson, knowing that you're doing the right thing, and getting paid for it. So this isn't about selling and giving away the farm and making mm -hmm. zero dollars. It's about getting rewarded. Uh, and the more problems you can solve with the bigger problems, the more money you're going to make. Um, but doing it in the right way where you yeah. feel good and you know that you're doing good things for your customers. Yeah, because it does have a toll on you if you, you, if you keep yeah. not feeling good about <laughs> yeah. stuff that you regularly do. That's going to take a toll on you. Well, and that's where like for you and, you know, having you on the show uh, as a guest, which is super fun, you know, what we did. And then yeah. this is because, you know, I, it's the same thing. Like I said earlier on, it's all personal. It's not business, right? Like it's when, when I'm dealing with a customer, it's personal. It's about what it's their life. Like it's life. You only get one of them yeah. that we know of. And, uh, you know, it's about uh, it's personal. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, what's more personal than life? Come on. That's it, right? <laughs> I mean, sure seems like it. I mean, everything I go to, I go through is going to be personal to me. It so, is. Um, so apart from your, your podcast, which is amazing, oh, and I, I loved this, this idea, and it's because also it's very rare that you hear uh, people who work in sales that, um, again, talk about empathy and talk about how business is personal and talk about listening to, to clients and educating other people around how to build a relationship, especially in sales. Um, so I wanted to ask, what is one thing that you're most proud of? That you've done so far oh that's a tough one i <laughs> oh, i wish you had warned me about this i could have thought about it um <laughs> okay you, you know, can have more not just one right. <laughs> i know well i wasn't gonna come up with one because i can't <laughs> think of one but you know for for me i really enjoy 
coaching salespeople and also helping businesses because if I can help a business, then all of their employees will benefit and it's like a, a magnifying effect, right? Like if I help mm -hmm. one, one client with 20 salespeople, now I'm improving those 20 salespeople's lives and then how many customers are they talking to? And it's just this, you know, it just keeps extending. Um, but I also love coaching people individually. Um, but the biggest thing for me, and this is, this is what excites me the most is when, you know, the light bulb goes off for somebody. Mm -hmm. And I know that's general and not specific, but working with somebody and, you know, they're having a challenge or they don't know what to say, or they're, you know, struggling with their effectiveness and, you know, do some coaching and training and then they get it and they go, oh, okay. And then if I do this and I say this and I ask these questions and it all works. And then once they got it and then, you know, talking to someone like that you know, six months or 12 months later and, and how they're doing. I mean, that's, that's something I, I yeah. love. It's just so fun. Mm -hmm. I totally relate to that because it's part of the, the beauty of coaching, right? Cause it's, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, I, I might give you some information that you can then use and adapt to your own style and to whatever you can do with it and find your own solutions around that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I was thinking, going back to where, where you started from mortgages and then sales, what was, I don't know, one moment in your, in your journey where you thought, hey, um, this is really what I love doing? I would say it was the first time I was really managing people and then also selling. So it was somewhere around 2006, 2007. So maybe about four or five years into mm -hmm. kind of sales life. Um, and one of the things that was interesting for me is that I had been raised in sales in the mortgage business and it was all face-to-face. -face. So everything was about face-to-face. You got to, you know, meet with somebody as quick as possible, get face to face, get them to trust you, be able to read their body language, be able to look them in the eyes. And that's how you sell deals uh, and, you know, close business. And then what happened years and years later in a totally different industry, I it was then all over the phone. Um, and I thought, wow, that's not possible. Like, you, you know, you have to do it face to face because that's what, you know, I'd been told. Yeah. And then got amazing results and super effective at listening and talking to people and getting results over the phone at scale. And that was a huge thing for me and realizing it. And then also working with a team and building a team and, and seeing that coaching and training for the first time and how effective it was and those light bulbs going off mm -hmm. such that it was, you know, it was great. I mean, there's obviously always challenges, but, you know, helping them and seeing people kind of come into their own, but also becoming self-aware of what were their strengths, what made them unique and not trying to make clones or robots of me, but yeah. you know, what do they do that's well, how can they magnify that and then, you know, be effective. Mm -hmm. And was it, was this also then the um, next very clear step for you that, Hey, so I, I, I done this. I know how it works. I know how I can, coach and I can train people and then let's go to consulting. No, that was, so that was a long time ago. Um, however, the year, several years ago, I had wanted to go into consulting and what happened was I thought, okay, well, let me do this because I have lots of sales and management experience, but I don't have like a well-rounded view of things and understanding of things. Um, and so I went back to school and got my MBA. So my master's in, in business and um, my goal was to get that and then go into consulting uh, and, you know, kind of have that to lean on a little bit. And uh, mm -hmm. then uh, a job opportunity came up. I took that job. It was essentially consulting, but it was as an employee inside and fixing things and growing things and doing it. Then that ended. And, uh, and then I was like, okay, now what should I do? And I was like, okay, well, this is the, let me, let me do the consulting thing. Let me dive into this and take everything that I know and uh, go into this world and, you know, help various companies and, um, you know, give what I can and do what I can and kind of uh, grow from yeah. there. Yeah. 
And was it easy for you to go into consulting given your background in sales? Um, so was it easy to do that? <laughs> yes. Was, was it easy to do consulting in the beginning? Absolutely not. And you already, it's funny cause I know you already know this. So, uh, which is, which is why you're laughing. Um, you know, so what they always tell you when you're going to, if you're going to go into consulting, every book that you read, article, expert, guru, you listen to, they say do two things. One is to have a, a Rolodex, a list of contacts, a bunch of people who want to hire you that you know. And then the second thing is to make sure you have enough money for like six to 12 months so you can pay your bills because it's not instant. So it takes yeah. a while to grow. I had no clients. I had no list. I had no money. Um, and in fact, I didn't make any money for six months. And, uh, but I just kept going and then it all started. Um, but no, it was not easy. And at the same time, I knew it was the right direction. I knew mm -hmm. it is what I wanted to do. And I just had the faith that if I just kept plugging away, I mean, I literally started my podcast early on in consulting with no clients and this message inside that I wanted to do. And this podcast wasn't a sales pitch to try to generate clients. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just doing it because it was like, if I put this message out there, you know, something will happen. And I just literally just didn't stop and still not stopping. But yeah, it was a, it was not easy. It was definitely a, you know, a lot of faith for the first six months. What helped you with your keep the faith so to say you know it's uh what i've learned at this point in my life is that the right doors will always open when they mm -hmm. should um and if you don't know what the right door is test and check a lot of doors mm -hmm. right run down the hall and check lots and lots of doors so at the same time when i didn't have a job and i was starting consulting i was like should I be a consultant or should I work for a company? I literally, while well, I was doing both, right? So I'd spend part of the day applying for jobs, part of the day like writing and making contacts and trying to network. And I literally applied for probably 150 jobs with lots of experience behind me in everything that I'd yeah. done. Uh, and I, out of all of those, I only had one interview and then I didn't get that job, which would have been a perfect fit. Like that was literally perfect. And I took that as the universe, as God, whatever, you know, your perspective <laughs> is. I took that as, okay, the employee route, that door is not the door I should go to. So the consulting yeah. one is, uh, and every once in a while I tested it because I didn't mm -hmm. know if that was the right door. Um, because sometimes you think you're going on the right path. Path, but it's actually the wrong one and you're just mm -hmm. you know making the wrong decision for me i you know i would test doors sometimes i would apply for jobs sometimes i would be like okay maybe i should go be an employee and literally everything else just kept shutting in my face leaving me the one <laughs> default which was let me just keep going and i this is the same thing now even as a consultant i have times where i get job offers even from clients who mm -hmm. want to bring me on and have me stay on board and it's like well I, I you know that does that's not a good fit right now but you never know i mean in six months yeah you know maybe that will change and mm -hmm. i'm just i just follow where you know the, the the best door seems to take me in life that's what i've learned yeah exactly that's um a lot of trial and error and i yep. think you know don't be afraid of trial and error no because that's how you learn how to do things better right this is how we learn to do anything and um you know that's the big thing that i have done and i still do it i, I have to temper it a little bit because i've gotten busier in, in in different ways um but i would say for you know since starting consulting uh, that that journey is I am in hyper yes mode. Mm -hmm. I say yes to pretty much everything. Yeah. This networking event, this conference, this travel, this client, this thing, you know, this phone call. Um, you know, we all get pitched all the time on LinkedIn mm -hmm. by people who pop up and they want to sell us something. You know, if I have the time, I will go for it because you never know where it could lead. It could be a relationship. Sure. Maybe, maybe they could actually help me, maybe not. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just in hyper yes mode. If somebody says, hey, you, you know, you should go to this conference. Okay, let's go. Like, uh, I'm open to everything because you just yeah. never know. Exactly. You never know who you meet. You never know who you talk to. You never to. know. Yeah. All right, and um, I'm sorry to say this, but we are at the end of our conversation. <laughs> um, but I want—I have a, a last question that I want to ask you before I let you go, and that's: Can you share one thought of wisdom with our audience today? And it can be anything—a a video, or a quote, or a movie, or a book, whatever it is. 
Yeah, and that's that's so tough because I can think of so <laughs> many things. But I will play the rules. I will go by the rules and give you one thing. Um, it, it's a quote by Zig Ziglar. It's kind of the mantra for how I live my philosophy in life and how I approach everything, which, you know, fits into the abundance side, not worrying about it, um, you know, and not, not, not coming from a scarcity and not trying to push things or manipulate or, or get desperate or hold on to stuff. Um, but it's the quote, you can have everything in life you want uh, if you help enough other people get what they want. Right. Mm. And so it's, the goal of that is is helping helping enough other people get what they want and then you'll get everything and what's interesting is it doesn't say you'll get some of the things you want in life it says you'll get everything yeah. um, that you want if you help enough other people get what they want and so when you do that it always comes back to you if you like even from a sales perspective if i sell enough people i will get what i want as long as i'm helping them get what they want and get in a better place, sometimes I might not win in the short term, but I will always win in the long term. Yeah, it will be so much more rewarding, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. And it will always come back. You do the right mm -hmm. thing long enough for other people yeah. and you just help them, uh, it, it always works out. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that quote because, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very good one. And I, um, because you said that there's so many things that you think about and it's it's hard to pick just one that's always the case yeah <laughs> and the funny thing is I've never had uh two inspirational thoughts that were the same nice. <laughs> so far that's so, perfect <laughs> love it yeah okay thank you so much Jason for, for being here today and sharing your story with us well thank you for having me on here and letting me be a part of your focus and your mission and uh, just know and everyone listening obviously they're fans of you as well hopefully but uh, i appreciate everything that you're doing on the uh, you know the personal the personal everything is personal yeah. front yeah i agree with that <laughs> there you go. thank you jason all right thank you it's all personal it's not just business. And this time, I wasn't the one saying that. It was my guest. Because that's right. To a client, it is going to be personal. It is their life. And, as Jason said, we only get one of them. And what's more personal than life? Let's use this as an exercise where we look at things from this perspective, thinking everybody is always going through something in their life. How is that for an empathy boost? I believe it's simple exercises like that which, done regularly, build our all-personal muscles of communicating with care, understanding, empathy, and kindness. So, let's test this door more often. Until next time.